You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. So we got a little bit of a hodgepodge of an episode today, because Mike saw two movies. I saw one that's kind of outside our usual description but we're gonna make it work we got lots to talk about yeah there's always lots to talk about that's the that's the fun thing about movies there's always <laughs> something you know we've it's got true. headlines to talk about you ripped your paper i made i made a clean cut through my notes so that's <laughs> it's gonna be a interesting day for me today well, i did the thing that i shouldn't have done just before coming to the show and and i want to also put some emphasis on i didn't have time to do this yet still did it even though i was really busy today that's how you know it's a problem (laughs) yeah i went to chumley's so for those people who don't know what chumley's is it's this amazing store in kingston that buys movies from people and will resell them essentially and video games and video games like what's up but it's very like low cost so cheap yeah to and i spent about just under 15 dollars and how many movies are here eight there's eight movies that I that I purchased. So I'll tell everyone what I got. Please. <laughs> and walk through these. Again, didn't have time to do this. Having a really busy day, yet still, that I have a problem. And I know it's you a problem. Do, you have a jam-packed day. I, You're double booked. I know. I'm triple booked. I'm so busy, <laughs> yet I, I had time to go into Chumley's and buy some movies. So I got The Hurt Locker. Great movie. Catherine Bigelow, director. It's really, really good. I highly recommend The Hurt Locker if you haven't seen it. The Is hist- this... Um- What's his name? Hawkeye. Jeremy Renner. Is, is this his, name? his yes. first movie? Uh, no, because he was in The Town, I, which, which I think is a good came movie. before this um, with Ben Affleck. But I do believe it's it's pretty early in his career. It's like one of those welcome mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, even though he always kind of looks a little older. He's, he's a little bit younger looking in this one. Do you know he was a makeup artist before he was an actor? I did know that, yes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting guy. He is an interesting guy. Um, the History Boys, which is a, a, also a really good film turned into a really, really good play. Uh, or did the play come first? I don't know which one came first. But it's a it's a good movie. Um, very English movie, though. Featuring Dickon from The Secret Garden. Oh, there you I go. Don't know what, I don't know what his name is. <laughs> I think this is like his only other screen credit. There you go. Uh, Hamlet 2. Which is an amazing movie. Stellar. Such a good... If you enjoy comedy and you enjoy making fun of the idea of theater and musical theater, Hamlet 2 is amazing. It is literally about a um, a man who is trying to save his drama program in a high school, and he writes uh, a play slash musical called Hamlet 2. It's a sequel to Hamlet. It's a sequel to Hamlet <laughs> where Jesus and Hamlet team up. Uh, they time travel. They time travel to save everybody in Hamlet. And yes, when I say Jesus, I mean Jesus Christ. There's a song called Rock Ta- Me. Yeah, Rock, rock Me Sexy, sexy Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> That's the name of the song. <laughs> you gotta, you... <laughs> I thought it was Touch Me Sexy Jesus. Nope. <laughs> nope. But anyways. <laughs> anyway, moving on. That's one of the lines in the song. Uh, made an impact <laughs> moving, moving on um what women want because i'm doing research and i thought you know getting advice from mel gibson that's never done anything wrong for anybody um <laughs> lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring just because i'm moving from from vhs to dvd still in some of my oh, older movies so i was I, surprised i actually had the last lord of the rings movie on dvd and the others on vhs and now i'm just trying to update my collection yeah uh trekkies a movie i've seen many times but never owned 
also Trekkies. It's so it's just it's about people who love Star Trek. Got it. So it's it's kind of like is it a documentary? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Following people who go to Star Trek. But it's actually th- some really touching stories in here about people who, who you know, I don't doubt it. Life. That's what documentaries are for. Um, she's Out of My League. Uh, great movie with Jay Baruchel. Very funny. Canadian favorite. Canadian favorite. He's, this is, I was just telling Taylor off here. I think this is one of maybe his two best performances he's ever had. I, I, I find him sometimes a little one note and annoying, but I think he's really good in this movie. Wimbledon. Also for research, but a little bit different. So there you go. There you Those go. Those are the movies real, that, that I bought. A real look into the mind. What of, a great show this is. Yeah, yeah, look look into this mind and try to understand it because <laughs> good luck. Um, where do you want to – so should we start with some fan questions then? We always start with Well, I questions. thought maybe we'd change it up. Oh, okay. No, let's not. Why change I'm a creature things? of habit. I okay. need structure. and. Actually, one of the fan questions kind of leads into to talking about I want you to – talk more about the the film series that you went to yes, one of the questions oh actually leaves into it well so i guess we can start with yeah. fan questions but okay so starting uh with nicole who writes in hi taylor and mike this is a two-parter what is your favorite book to film adaptation what book to film adaptation do you think they completely missed the mark thanks and happy movie watching background nicole's very interested in this is your friend yeah yeah she's very interested in a specific book right now and she's involved in the film community so all she's thinking about is this book going to film yep adapting this what book is she into i don't want to give anything away okay but because you know everything is secret secret in hollywood i see or canada whatever whatever (laughs) whatever canadian film industry is called but um yeah, so that's the background. She's been thinking a lot mm. about film adaptation. Okay. Do you do you have an answer? So do you have a fav- first of all, do you have a favorite book to film adaptation that you can think of? This one's really hard. I think I was much more passionate about this as like a younger person, like in my teens when I was a bit of a purist, a little bit of an elitist. Like I was like <laughs> You were a purist and elitist? That is shocking <laughs> to me. I can't believe it. I've mellowed out in my old age, but um <laughs> I feel like I was more passionate. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Off the top of my head, I remember when I was like 14 or 15 being completely unhappy with the Twilight adaptations. Um, (laughs) That is not what I thought you were going to say. What? (laughs) When you're like, when I was 15, like Twilight was, you know, the big thing. All the girls I knew read the books, but we are also at the age where we like didn't know the books were shitty. So, so I was very passionate about Twilight and the film adaptation we were not happy about, I think. Um, I also remember one of my favorite books when I was like 16 or 17 was uh, The Time Traveler's Wife. And so I was very excited for the film adaptation. Literally bald the moment that the begin like the first credits ran until the end credits like i just cried the whole movie i was like so emotionally overwhelmed not a great movie not a good film (laughs) adaptation i've only seen it the once (laughs) so you Um, have a lot of bad ones here you can't think of one that you well uh, gone with the wind i think is a very good uh book adaptation um nicole and i were talking about this on the phone virgin suicides is a really great film um book to film adaptation um yeah, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to think. You know, sometimes the movies are better than books. I don't know. I I feel like I'm less agitated about it now. Like you know, I kind of just take yeah. it as as it is. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, a lot of times, I don't even know that it was based on a book. You know, you go to the movies. That's usually a surprise, yeah. You go to the yeah. movies and you're like, oh, who knew? Like, Bird Box is a book. Yeah. But, yeah. So, anyways, that's my answer. Do you have strong feelings about the book? To Are no. you a big reader? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I read. I wouldn't say I'm a big reader. I, recently, in the past year or so, I've been much more into sort of biographies. Mm-hmm. Um especially there's two books that a you i think i brought them up before that alicia malone wrote um about the history of women in film that i've reread like three times since getting them um and i've been more interested in kind of learning about history through books Mm -hmm. recently however prior to that there were you know there's definitely books that i've read that have become um movies i think for me i'm okay with adaptation yeah. I'm really okay with the acceptance that a book and a movie are two completely different and legitimate forms to tell a story, but they are different. It's it's the same as television is different. It, you can't tell a story in quite the same way that you can in different ways. So, I mean, I think there are certain adaptations that I'll give kind of a I'll give these answers and then kind of a weird one. So, in terms of like favorite I thought they did a really good job with The Martian, even though there were some changes in there. That's a book that I read, and then it came out, um, the Matt Damon movie, and I really enjoyed both. I enjoyed reading the book, and I enjoyed the movie. They made changes that I think made sense to make changes. Um, Otherwise, you know, I'll go to some of the recent, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies and Harry Potter. Like, I read all those. And very similar thought process. Everything they did to to adapt it, I thought they did a pretty good job with what they could. I think the best adaptation of a harry potter movie is the third one the prisoner of azkaban i think that is by far the best and closest to the book adaptation um and i think it's still the best movie of that entire series and they subsequently got rid of the director right away for some reason but it was i thought it was one of the best adaptations and that was the first one where i read the book first and then saw the movie i didn't know about harry potter until the movies and then went back and discovered the books so that was you know that was kind of one of mine um but in terms of, of bad ones, yeah, I haven't... I think The Giver, so the... I didn't even see The Giver, because as a purist, when I heard that yeah, they... Yeah, The Giver was a book that I was forced to read in high school, but really, it was one of the only books that they made us read that I actually really liked. Right. I, I have it, I've reread it since. I, I actually really enjoy that story, yeah. and I, I didn't take to the movie. I didn't even... I think sometimes why I can't think of like why it doesn't have a strong impression on me is if i like a book so much you don't want to i won't yeah. see the film there's lots of books that i really like that i wouldn't want people to turn into a yeah. movie because i wouldn't want it to be changed and one of them is a book called the humans um matt hag i think is the name of the author it's basically a book that pokes fun at human and and different societies with on earth and the way we behave and treat each other and mm-hmm. how weird that would be from the eyes of an alien who has taken over a human's body so it's very it's very almost it's almost presented the book itself like a, a how-to guide right how, how how to become a human um and it's very entertaining but i it, though it would be fascinating to see as a movie it would be tough because i think again it's one of the few books that i actually have an attachment to mm-hmm. saying this book's so good but there are some books that I enjoy equally, if that makes sense, to yeah. the movie, because I know it's different, so you have to make changes. You know what one that I think is good that it was weird to me that it ended was when they um, 
a series of unfortunate events mm-hmm. with Jim Carrey yeah. and how they condensed the first three books into the into one movie. I thought that was a very good adaptation. I only read the first book. And I did see the movie, the Jim yeah. Carrey movie, but I only had read the first book, so I don't I didn't have the same right. sort of so I actually I enjoyed that yeah. movie actually as well, even though a lot of people didn't. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm surprised that people and I thought Jim Carrey like is Olaf. He like did when a good you, job with it, yeah. Yeah. So Way better than Neil Patrick Harris yes. in that stupid series that they have yeah. on Netflix. So but. I don't, I, you know, things you like, it's yeah. whatever. And I think that's an interesting conversation when it comes to books because I'm not, I wouldn't describe myself as overly attached to books or a big reader, but I enjoy reading and the books that I generally pick are ones that I know I'm going to like and, I, yeah. and I'm a big rereader. I, I will reread the same set of books mm-hmm. over and over again because I really, like The Maze Runner is a book series I really enjoy. I really like the first movie, but then the second movie I was so-so right. on. It was okay. But again, these are just, for me, it's all about the story the story if the story is interesting enough i'll attach to it but then i didn't like the hunger games which is very similar all within that sort of teen Mm -hmm. (laughs) post-apocalyptic whatever that was dystopia uh, renaissance that happened of here's all these the exact same types of movies and books uh but some of them you know really hit home and some of them don't yeah i don't know it's tough books are yeah People are passionate about books. I think it's, yeah. that's like what Nicole is kind of getting at in her question. So, If you're a big film fan, this is for Nicole or anyone, I highly recommend finding um, the book Backwards and in Heels. Fantastic read. Goes through the early history of film and talks about how basically the involvement of women in film has been erased from history and how important it actually was and how many women were involved in film in the very early stages. And it's only a recent... 30, 40, 50 years with where it's been male dominated. Right. So it's very interesting. interesting. I highly recommend it. If you're a film fan, you should read that. Add that to the reading yes. list. Yes. Backwards and in heels by Alicia Malone. <laughs> I'm not paid to say this. They <laughs> <laughs> Just plugging it for free. Just plugging it because it's so good. Okay. Next uh, question, but really not, comes from Kathy. Comment. Comment. And we um, do encourage comments as yeah, well as questions. Absolutely. Anyone can write in and say anything. We have read very strange things on the air and we will continue to do so um hi taylor and mike another great show i enjoyed listening to every episode and love both of you enjoyed the film arctic oh there you go there you go um i think some people will like it it just like wasn't my cup of tea like i tried to say that in the review no and i think you did come through quite clearly that that you were saying specific some people will like this movie but it wasn't necessarily along your your lines but you could under you i think it was clear that you said you could understand if someone liked it Mm -hmm. and didn't like it yeah okay um even though there was little dialogue i still felt it portrayed the strength of humans to survive Went to see the documentary at the screening room, They Shall Not Grow Old, a World War I film. It's excellent, and everyone should try to see it. It's now playing at the screening room. The restoration of 100-year-old film footage is amazing. Looking forward to the Star Trek episode on April 9th. Sorry, Taylor, we will miss you. I'm a big Star Trek fan. Till next week. So, yeah, I've heard about this movie, this World War I restoration They've colorized film. black and white film. Yeah, and they've really they've done a lot to, I guess, restore the footage. Um, which is I'm interested in it. I just haven't had time to skip over for that one. But yeah. um, I think anyone who's big World War One or World War Two buffs, those documentaries are always, you know, they always yeah. do well. And that's kind of the nice thing about having the screening room is you do get these types of films mm-hmm. that, that come in that normally you're not going to see that at the Cineplex. So. And we're in the final um, uh, uh, 2019. So this is the end of the anniversary for World War One. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, 1914 to 1919 mm-hmm. so it i i'm sure 
they restored it, to, you know, at this time to coincide with the anniversary. I could oh, be wrong, I'm but sure. I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, Tyler writes in, uh, thank you very much for meeting my ramblings on air. Itania was a personal surprise of 2017 for me. Um, so any chance to talk about it is appreciated. I agree with that. It was a surprise for me, too. Um, if you're if you're offered to come over the come on the show and chat about Star Trek stands, I would be honored and super excited to accept. Yeah, Tyler, we've already planned it, so I hope you're coming. I'm gone. Uh, you're filling. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you're filling in. You're you're up. Tyler's now Taylor. <laughs> um, uh, yes, I have I have responded as well to Tyler um, through email, so we will we will connect, and that Star Trek show will be happening on April 9th. Why do I, I can't? I don't know why I keep thinking it's the seventh. I, I know that's Russell Crowe's birthday. Yes, and that's you why. want to do and a shout to do out. A, a shout out to Russell Crowe on the ninth as well. So it's going to be a Star Trek slash Russell Crowe thing. You should it's tweet be him and say we're having a special Russell. Oh, I'm Crowe. making fun of him though. Oh, never mind. I will tweet at him, but he I'm afraid he'll good, beat me up. He has a very good sense of humor. Like Does I don't he? know if you've seen his tweets; they're very like dad ass. Oh, okay. He just I I remember Russell Crowe is the very angry man who will beat me up. No, I but, think he's okay. like a dad. He's mellowed a little bit. Yeah, oh, that's good. Um. As for things to fill your airspace next Tuesday, thank you. <laughs> I unfortunately haven't seen any of the movies that your folks are reviewing. I did appreciate Taylor's shout out for Manhunter, which you're going to talk about in a yes, little bit. I'll review it. Um, so, because uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> not because I've seen it, but because it's part of the Screening Room's Cinematica Classic Film Series on director Michael Mann. Um, titled what's it titled the neon lights of michael mann Ooh. these are the notes i ripped up so thank you tyler for yeah thanks for including <laughs> that because we ripped yeah um heat and collateral remain two of my favorite slow burn heist thrillers i actually i really agree with that i i think heat and collateral are quite good heat's playing this week i think in yes the series, this thursday this thursday um so if people want to check that out the screening room heat is playing and, and then the following thursday is miami vice really yeah oh i didn't realize they were going to do that one okay um i'm hoping to catch a few more of michael mann's movies at the screening room over the next month this has led me to my question if you could each choose a month-long cinematica run at the screening room four movies one played per week with some sort of connection director actor theme what would it be and what creative title could you give it to attract <laughs> the movie going public oh my gosh i wish i had more time to i probably should together. have i didn't even look at this till today though, so <laughs> you I didn't maybe should have this is one that you should have let me Ooh. ruminate on. <laughs> well, okay. I didn't even, I didn't, I, I had such a, I didn't even, I was about to say I had a busy weekend, but that would have been a lie. I had a lazy weekend and Fair. I didn't even look until now. So mm, theme actor director. I mean, I can do a complete cop out and do Wes Anderson, but like this is classic film. So you kind of want to do like, well, I mean, I don't think. I think the term classic film is going to change over time and it's yeah. going to grow. I think I think some of the early works of of a director like Wes Anderson you could start talking about. To me to me the idea of classic film isn't just about how long it's been. Mm -hmm. It's is there enough discussion to be had around it? One of my suggestions would be Christopher Nolan. Right. I think there there even though he's a newer filmmaker, there is something to be said about the way he uses camera work well, he has the a, way he his body of work is large enough you could do yeah. a retrospective Absolutely. which is what they're doing with michael mann yeah and michael mann i mean i remember seeing collateral in the theaters yeah you know when i was a t teenager and loving it so i i think for me one of them would be christopher nolan because you could look at memento which one yeah. of his early movies and i would definitely be one of them. i would really focus on some of his earlier work and maybe show one one movie from later and like compare and contrast but you know the prestige um memento those types of movies i think it would be great i think um halloween's my favorite holiday 
and I love horror, mm. I would probably pick like an October um, month and I would want to do like a haunted house series, like looking at different films who have filmmakers who have made haunted house movies. Mm. Like um, that would be good. Uh, obviously, The Haunting of Hill House, um, Hell House. Uh, or I would do like um, Polanski's like uh, apartment series, uh, Rosemary's Baby, um, the other one. Oh, I can't. So Rome Polanski made like three or four movies about apartments mm. um, and they're like thrillers. I would do um, maybe that retrospective. So that definitely Rosemary's great. Baby. And I, it's killing me that I can't remember the other one. It's Catherine. She's a French, French actress. Repulsion. Um, and then there's like one more, I think. So it would be like a three instead of a four. But that's what I'm going to stick with. Roman Polanski's apartment series would be what I would. <laughs> and I would do it in Halloween. Speaking of apartments, I think doing something around some of the thrillers of Hitchcock, like Rear Window, yes. would be good. Because some of his thrillers are so psychological. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't necessarily even take any movie that had, you know, like birds or things like that. Like I would, I would take the movies that are more one-on-one you're with a character yeah like really the like rear window is so good and what was the one about the train strangers on a train is that what i'm thinking of when they agree to murder each other's person they want to murder yeah that's it yeah (laughs) things like that where it's it's a lot you're with the you're with the human character Mm -hmm. for a long period of time i think that would be another good thing with hitchcock because i think he gets credited for a lot of amazing things one of the things i appreciate most is how well he can construct a a character especially out of um the actor jimmy stewart yeah who who who's basically fumbling around like an amorphous blob in a wonderful life or it's a wonderful life yet is still able to give a stunning performance in um uh, rear window window. yeah so i think that that's an interesting like you you took a a a bumbling fool and and made him a a very serious actor and they've worked together other you know they worked together on several films so i think that type of thing is interesting to me um, I would even do like a early career retrospective, like his movies like pre like World War Two. Yeah, because he made some really great like black and white yeah, thrillers when he was working. Yeah. I think it was before See he went to the craft. Yeah, yeah, before he went to the American studio system, he was making films in England. So I would probably do that retrospective. I have a controversial one. In terms of theme. In terms of a theme and a person, <laughs> I have a controversial one. If, but there's a reason. Are you gonna say? Woody Allen. No, I'm not gonna say Woody Allen. <laughs> Good. It's a little less controversial, okay. than that, but, st- but the movies themselves have become controversial over time. I think it would be very fascinating if you got like relatively stable people to to watch these movies. Right. If you did a, a John Hughes retrospective and really talked about oh, the problems yeah. in his films and talked about why at that time were they perceived so differently than they are now. A Brad Pack retrospective. I, I think that I would, would love be that. I think I would... that would be much a better use of our time than just whining on the internet about these movies. Like let's talk about them. Let's actually look at them. I didn't know that people were whining about. Um a lot of his movies are getting which uh, fairly are getting looked at um just for their the inappropriateness um of them in this oh, like 16 like candles sexual and, assault yeah and yeah stuff. which oh, is true okay. 100% true and i'm not denying that i just think it would be interesting to have that discussion right. and to maybe even open the eyes to people who don't quite see the controversy yet and also to I discuss didn't, i didn't know that there was well, controversy that's a good see you know maybe you would get something interesting out of it but also i think the people who complain a lot about things and have keyboard courage could have an opportunity to actually have 
a real discussion about film and why it's important to keep these films around and discuss Well, it was them. groundbreaking to portray high school students like as high school students right? exactly and that wow. that would be a, a, again it's a positive there can be negatives and positives out of things the thing i don't like is let's erase it from history well that well, has I'm proven not. in I our love the Brad yeah, Pack. it's proven in our <laughs> past that when you relate really erase something from history you are doing more damage yeah. so it would be very interesting to me to, to look at those films and really dive into it and have some like probably really good discussions about it. Well, if Wendy needs any ideas for future we, we cinematica. She's not going to take any more ideas. Come on. Well, who knows? <laughs> need us. She's a busy lady. Um, do you have any titles? That's hard. I should have. Um, that's not something. I'm not. Uh, I could probably come up with some if I thought about it. There'd be something funny to do with like the, the John neon Hughes movie. lights. So right now it's called the neon lights of Michael Mann. Um, I don't know. Mine would have too many puns in them for most people. I don't know. Mine would be like the cramped spaces of Roman Polanski. I don't know. I would need time to think about it. Yeah. When Wendy, when it's Wendy calls me up yeah, when, to curate a yeah. Cinematica series, yeah. I will get a good name. We'll have a good name. Okay. Last question comes from Matthew. Hi, Taylor and Mike. Thank you again for your words last week. And again, for entertaining with your banter. See, we have banter. Yeah. Uh, my next question is working off your Netflix list. I really enjoyed hearing you both had some very interesting guilty pleasure streaming options. I would love to hear if you both have a guilty pleasure movie, a movie that you own or you know that you watch all the time that is really bad, but you enjoy it at the same time. Thank you both again. Love the show. So I think I mentioned it before. I don't really have any guilty pleasures because I just like what I like. Yeah. But I can definitely list movies that are considered like really yeah, bad. Yeah, I like what I like too. I just know some <laughs> movies are not good. <laughs> so Stigmata is considered like a really bad movie. Love it. I watch it um, not as often as I used to, but I that is like a rewatchable movie for me. Um, Center Stage. <laughs> Center stage. It's from like 1999 or like you know how like 1999 to 2001 they released all of these teen movies. Yes. So I just um, kind of saved the last dance was in there, wasn't it? Ten things I hate about you. Ten things Clueless, I hate about you. Like all of these movies that came yeah. out like in that it was like to me the golden age of the teen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Genre. Um. So I don't actually know what year it came out. I always just say 1999 is like a placeholder. Yeah. For that. That's fair. Um. And it's about a girl who goes to like an elite ballet dance Sounds academy familiar who's in it like nobody's oh, okay. but um the um assassin from guardians of the galaxy which which assassin she's gamora oh gamora oh gamora um, is in it and everyone zoe else is pardon me zoe saldana yeah is the name of the and everyone else i think is a no name except the bad ballerina is like an actual like leading i don't know what the name for male ballerina is but he's like the bad male ballerina he's like an actual like all-star all-star ballerina wow, okay so those are like the only like actual famous people in the movie cool um so those are my two and saved i don't think a lot of people um have seen saved and if they have they probably haven't liked it it's about a girl who goes to a really conservative christian school and gets pregnant um never heard of it uh, she like her boyfriend's gay and she thinks that if she sleeps with him she'll be able to you know take away the gayness because they go to a really conservative Christian school and they don't have any you know they never got sex at or anything right and she gets pregnant the first time she has sex with him right and so the movie is about her trying to deal with this and um, Macaulay Culkin is in it oh nice <laughs> 
always so, like a Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, movie. so those would be my picks. But again, I don't, I don't think they're bad. I just, I just like them. <laughs> but you admit if other people think they're bad. If other people yeah. saw them, yeah. they probably wouldn't like them. I, I feel the exact same way. I, I, I understand when people don't like certain movies but still like them. I mean, I think I've said mine before as well on the show. Couples Retreat is yeah. a big one for no particular reason other than I, I do find it very funny. But I also think I have the type of luck that if I went on a vacation with a bunch of couples, this is exactly what would happen to me. So you just relate on a I just relate on a very weird. Level. There's a lot of movies where I just relate on a very strange level. Um, otherwise, I think I don't know. I can't think of another one that I would say is it. I guess I read some of them, I guess, here. Right. Like I'm going to be watching Wimbledon. That's probably going to be a guilty pleasure. You know, I used to work at Chumley's. Is that a good, yeah. We have so many copies of Wimbledon. Or they do, not me anymore. I've Wimbledon, but I don't remember much about it. (laughs) Like the back room has like 10 copies of Wimbledon. Of Wimbledon. (laughs) I mean, Kirsten Dunst, Paul Bentley. It's got to be interesting, right? Isn't he like an old tennis player and he's has his last Wimbledon and she's a young tennis player and they fall in love or something? Pro tennis hotshot Lizzie Bradbury is a rising star who lives to win. But when she falls for a long shot contender, Peter Colt, amid the glitz and the glamour of Wimpleton, Lizzie's discovers it's not if you win or lose, but how you play the game. Yeah, sounds like love. sounds like uh, right up my alley there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> rom-com. Anyways. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm not really big in, into rom-coms, but there's a couple that I yeah. like that I would And rom-coms have the reputation pleasure. of, yeah. you know, not being yeah. of high caliber. Yeah. So. yeah. So I think Couples Retreat is the one that I can think off the top of my head. There. Well, thanks, everyone, for the fan questions. Again, if you want to send your questions in to us, just send them in to screeningandkingston at gmail.com. Find us on social media. We're everywhere. Thank you for everyone sending in long questions and write-ups because we needed it this week. Um, because, Sometimes it's slow. <laughs> yeah, this week, this is a slow week. That's we don't okay. have this much going on. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about you You went to see Manhunter. Yes, yeah, so I'm just going to give um, for people, um, I think it was... Tyler, who wrote in about it, um, he gave a pretty good description, but I'm just going to read like what Cinematica is if you aren't familiar with the with that series. So uh, the screening um, Cinematica is the screening room's classic film screening series. Every month they shine a spotlight on a timeless or timely classic film, which is their movie of the month. And then every season. So, you know, I think they pick a, a month or, you know season we cook up a unique themed series so and that's their series of the season so right now the series of the season is the neon lights of michael mann and their movie of the month is all that jazz so those two movies are unrelated Unrelated. (laughs) i don't think the movie of the month and the series of the season have the same theme okay um and so i'm not uh very familiar with michael mann the movies that they're showing are thief 1981, Manhunter, 1986, Heat, 95, and Miami Vice, 2006. Um, I saw Manhunter because I am a fanable, which I mentioned last last episode. So I love anything Hannibal. And Manhunter is the first, um, this also ties into Nicole's question, Manhunter is the first uh, film adaptation of Thomas, oh gosh, what's his last name? Thomas Mann, Thomas Moore? The author of Hannibal. Oh, okay. Um, so I apologize. I've forgotten his last name, but his first name's Thomas. Um, Manhunter is an adaptation of Red Dragon, which people are probably more familiar with. Um, uh, Red Dragon's the name of the book, and it was remade in the 2000s with... Um, 
I forget its name. Yeah, I'm not being much help. To you I know. Here, Normally, but... you're on your computer and you can I'm look sorry, things I up for me. Um, but essentially, um, uh, uh, Hannibal is played in the remake of the of Manhunter mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. new adaptation of the Red Dragon. It's the Hannibal we know, yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Yes, the Anthony Hopkins. Um, in this Manhunter, this first adaptation, it's not Anthony Hopkins playing um, Hannibal. It's a different actor. I think his name's Brian Cox. Okay. Um, Brian Cox, yeah. And uh, Will Graham, the investigator, is played by the guy who's in CSI Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's that so, guy's name? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of, you guys know I'm not very good with names, but you can look up all of these uh, details um, online. It's killing me who I can't, I can't remember the name of Will Graham character in red dragon yeah i probably should have opened my computer when uh, you were struggling before so i'd have it ready for you you're gonna say it i'm gonna be like duh okay what am i looking up um the look up red dragon film adaptation and see who plays will graham oh okay because that's the that's the version people are most familiar with edward norton there you go edward norton <laughs> plays will graham in the remake and what year did that come out 2002 right so red dragon is kind of like um the pre- the prequel, so to speak, of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, in in terms of Chronolog- chronolo- chronological, it comes before, like the events happen before. Correct. Yeah. So, um, so Manhunter is a little bit confusing because they named it Manhunter. It's essentially uh, the uh, events of Red Dragon, okay. the book, um, and it is a very very good film adaptation. So, if you um, even if you're not interested in the Hannibal mythology, you're not interested in that canon. It's just a really good, um, uh, not murder mystery, but essentially like a crime solving drama. So the movie essentially there's a serial killer, and Will Graham is a former FBI agent who had to uh, leave the force due to personal issues mm. related to Hannibal. Um, and the FBI wants him back in because they can't find the Tooth Fairy or the Red Dragon. And so the film is about Will Graham trying to find this murderer while like he kind of more or less is trying to hold it together psychologically. Um, and the film is just very well done. Great editing, great acting, um, good like... <laughs> It's just, it's, I love 80s movies. And like, this is like, this is an 80s movie, you know, like unabashed, like it's just unapologetically 80s, like costume, synth, um, soundtrack. Yeah. Um, the writing, like, you know, they're always like, oh, you asshole. Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it looks very, from the still images I'm seeing, it looks very 80s. One super interesting thing, because I've only ever seen the film, um, on TV. So I might've seen a different edited version, but at some points in the film, um, the, f- the film itself switches and it looks grainy as if it's like a camcorder, like as if like, it's like a home movie oh. and it's because home movies play like a really important part in solving the crime. Well, that's really um, cool. so like, and it's kind of just, you know, it will go out of focus, this kind of staticky home video look, and then it will switch back to kind of like a regular film. Um, so that's really something interesting to look for. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, Fight Club where they splice in the uh, the extra frames that yes. like the, so, you know, it, he, Michael Mann took some uh, chances with the, with that and it was great. I had a great experience watching Manhunter. So, A, if you get a chance to see Manhunter, please do so and also maybe check out the next Cinematica series or, you know, go see Heat or yeah. Miami Vice. Yeah, Heat's this Thursday and Miami Vice is the following the Thursday. The following Thursday, okay. Yeah. And again, all that jazz is the movie of the month. And then next movie of the month is a Jackie Chan double feature. 
Oh, which do you know which ones I, they're doing? I forget, but if you Google it. Oh, I will. So anyways, this was a good opportunity on. to tell you about things that um, are going on in the screening room that we don't always have an opportunity to review because, you know, they're one-offs. And, you know, I can tell you about this movie, but you won't get a chance to see it um, on the big screen um, next time. But essentially, I wanted to let you know about Cinematica because there's some really cool stuff. So do you have the Jackie Chan? Yeah, so Police Story and Police Story 2, 1985 and 1988. So some of his earlier. And that'll be work. in April. Not as earlier as the Drunken Master, but still. So if you're into Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. And the, this is back in when Jackie Chan is like in his prime. Yeah. Okay. It's great. So you saw some movies too. Yeah. That are not one-offs. Nope. <laughs> These ones are playing, so our listeners will have an opportunity to go see them. Yeah, I, and one of the reasons why we were looking for content this week is because I don't have a lot to say about these two films. So <laughs> for two completely different reasons. I, I'm going to start off with, with the positive reason. So um, there's a film uh, everybody knows, which is now playing at the screening room. Which is the name of the movie. This name not of the everyone movie. knows. Everybody knows. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, and it's it's... I mean, it has, it's in Spanish, and it has um, English subtitles. So, I mean, that's something to definitely know about going in. It is a mystery thriller at the heart of it, even though I think it might even be said it's a drama. It's kind of presented like it's a drama. It is a very – it's just sort of a strange movie, but what it does is it takes you through – as an audience, you're learning a lot of things as the story goes, um, just like the characters are discovering things. The base, very, very basic plot is this family – um, is going back to the mother who's played by Penelope Cruz. Um, she grew up in this somewhere. Like a small know. town. Small town, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like mid-sized small. But basically, they go back, I believe it's for a wedding, um, and she takes her, her kids and husband um, to, to this place, and basically it's discovering things about her family and their past that she and other people didn't really know, but some people knew some things. I don't want to say too much because it is it is spoilers. The one thing about this movie that you need to know going in is I've almost never had a cinematic experience where I am so glad I was by myself. I couldn't imagine following this movie, following the plot, having to also read what's going on, not just visualizing it and hearing it, um, by being distracted in any way. Like, if I was distracted, I think I would have lost things, and I still think after one viewing, I missed stuff. You're going to have to go back to... I think so, because it's so... It's not that the movie is overly dense. It's a relatively simple story, but I think, to the director's credit, one of the things they do is they really seem to tell you things and you discover things as you're going, which I found to be very fascinating. Often, you know, you're you see a movie and you know the tropes and you kind of have a sense on where right. it could go. I felt there were twists and turns in here, and I didn't quite as as you know, really you're you're stuck with the the husband and wife for the majority of the movie. Not stuck with, but you're with them. You're and, following their story. Yeah, and as they discover things, you're discovering things as well. And it's it's a fascinating movie, but probably wow. doesn't help that there's like a language barrier. Yeah, right? especially so. you know I. I I was telling Taylor offline, and I talk about it all the time. I, when it comes to languages, I just can't do languages. Yeah. I am not. I can't pick up on any language. I can barely speak English, and that's about it. I tell people I speak a half language. That's it. That's how many languages I speak. But the language barrier doesn't help. But the story is also interesting, and it's dynamic. And they, I think on purpose, they're trying to mm-hmm. throw things at you, and you're discovering things. And I was 
genuinely shocked by things and genuinely surprised and and really involved in the story which i think they did a good job yeah. with but i do think this is one of those movies you you have to see to experience i really think you should try to go alone or with someone who won't talk and just really lose yourself in this story or you're going to lose things so i'm giving it a see it you should go see this movie but just all those different things be prepared a yes. for a yeah. involved viewing because it was very involved and it was very and that doesn't happen to me that often usually i come into movies and i've followed it very well but i felt like i missed things i had a lot of questions coming out that i think were probably answered in there and i either missed it or you know when the, the thing you do and you you look you kind of have to look down to read the yeah. thing and then you've missed something that yeah. someone's doing um so, so you don't yeah. think the things you missed it wasn't bad storytelling I don't think so. it was just you know a combination of a complicated plot slash subtitles yeah i think it was um well, it's a thriller, right? There's yeah, twists and turns. I think it's because of the nature of the way it was filmed and because of the nature of the way it was directed and the fact that there's subtitles added to that made it a little bit more challenging to follow. But I don't think it was story structure Got that it. was the issue. Because I, I was into it and I, I really did enjoy the movie. So okay. cool. I'm going to give it a see it. So that's Everybody Knows now playing at the screen room. And then you also saw... Oh, right. Yeah, I saw The Upside. Um, I, 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 the pause was because I couldn't remember the name of the movie. It's called The Upside. It is... Which made no, to me, no splashes. Like, yeah, I had not seen it's this relative, online. Because it's harmless. It's relatively... It's, um... It's how you feel. It's how I feel about The Green Book, right? No, no, because The Green Book has controversy <laughs> right. around it. And even, even in The Green Book, I think you brought up some very good points as to why you didn't like certain right. things of it. There's nothing in here. But in terms of... You said it felt like a 90s movie. Oh, 100%. And just like Green I Book. I feel did. like Green yes. Book feels like a 90s movie. I came out of him being like, this is exactly what you expect in the 90s. Like, the, this rich man is stuck in a wheelchair, and here's his black friend. Like, it's that <laughs> And zany. Yeah, Zaniness. and his, yeah, his friend is zany, and what's <laughs> gonna happen will they ever get along okay spoiler alert they do and it's fine because it's it's you know it, it's a touching story in in some ways and i do think they did a very good job of bringing that together but it's it's sort of for you've seen this movie yeah. you've seen this movie in the 90s you've seen this movie before it is very similar to green book in a lot of ways in terms of the story and the things it's trying to say it's a little more connected to um brian cranston who plays a man who who is uh stuck in the wheelchair he basically he can't he's quite paralyzed and can't move the majority of of his body and it's it's kind of about kevin hart is hired to basically be his assistant but also to to help him with different things right. and it's one of those things where kevin hart helps him find that there's joy left in life and brian cranston i think teaches him a lesson i don't remember what it is but not that i being poor is not bad <laughs> being poor is not bad or no, but i don't even think kevin hart's character is poor i think he's just he's looking for a job and work and get somehow connected in this i, I can't apologize remember. i shouldn't just assume he's poor but no, normally but a, normally in these stories no, there's that's, a, poor that's a person. strong <laughs> assumption because in these stories in the way they're normally told that's how it is i mean i will say brian cranston's character is quite well off right and that is it is very much here's a rich elite yeah maybe maybe kevin hart's character is more just you know middle class, middle, middle or... class i don't know i can't remember because the movie's forgettable um it was touching at times it was fun definitely bring friends for this one because you have a lot of time and you need to be entertained um it was it was it was just so hard to get through for the yeah. exact i came out of it as confused as everybody knows but for different reasons for reasons like what did i just watch did i even remember this i don't remember half the plot of that movie it just washes over was it a you. comedy it was light-hearted 
Okay. But it's a drama. Okay. But it's it, but it's lighthearted. Okay. It's one of those feel-good dramas. It's a Sunday dramas. TV. Yeah, it's a feel-good drama of the 90s. Yeah. That would have been one of those 90s movies we look back on and go, oh, remember The Upside? What a great movie. And it's based on a, a French film, I think. Oh. Um, but I can't remember the name of it. But it's, you know, I think Brian Cranston's a great actor. Yeah. I think he did a great job with it. I find Kevin Hart annoying, but not in this movie. I thought he was great. So a nuanced performance from Absolutely. Kevin Hart. Absolutely. I, I was very impressed by Kevin Hart. I like him in this and the new Jungle Book movie, and that's it. I, there don't you like, go. I haven't liked Kevin Hart either. Even Nicole Kidman gave a good role. Like, you have three actors who Nicole were, Kidman's in this yes, movie, too? Yes, uh, <laughs> Randomly. Um, and all three of them do, do great, great, great performances. And the chemistry between Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston is great. You you could tell they're they're forming a friendship and a mm-hmm. bond, and it was it came off as very um, not forced. And it, and it worked in that way. But again... Do we really need it? Exactly. That's what I came out. It's, it's not that there's anything wrong with this movie. It's just it didn't really resonate. I think I've seen these stories before. I really think you can just stream it. It, it would be a great movie to sit at home and watch. If you need a date night movie, th- th- here you go. There you this go. is a date night movie. It's just, it's just it's, it's got some heart to it. has some comedy to it. has some drama to it. There's definitely some moments. Like, there's a very... Again, I won't... I guess I won't spoil it if I could, but... Um, no one's going to see this. It's... <laughs> it's it, there's a great moment that Brian Cranston has um, where he's upset, and he's noticeably upset, and Kevin Hart does one of the nicest, best things I've ever seen. I'm just going to spoil it. So there's a scene, I think it was in one of the trailers, there's a scene where Brian Cranston, who's having a lot of struggles with the way his life is going, um, is so upset and frustrated, but he can't do anything about it. Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had this, sometimes you want to throw a chair across the room. Well, imagine you being confined to a wheelchair and you can't move. Right. So the frustration he feels is awful, and Kevin Hart wrecks a room for him. Oh, that's nice. Throws things around, yeah. destroys things, right? And you kind of get that feeling of like, oh, that was like, that Cathartic. was so needed. Yeah, you yeah. needed that. And I, again, there's two or three moments just like that in this movie that elevated a little mm-hmm. bit to, oh, that's really nice. That's like a good thing. And I think they did a good job with it. But again, all in all, relatively forgettable. You've seen this movie before. It yeah. belongs in the 90s. It's okay. And it hasn't made a splash for good reason. Just like I, Mary Queen of Scots, it just kind of went yeah, and like literally came and went. No, whatever. Nothing. At least with Mary Queen of Scots, like there was buzz about it. Yeah, there was a little bit of buzz, but once it opened, it's just yeah. Everyone the, forgot it, about it. Same thing is coming out of Mary Queen of Scots as coming out of this movie. Eh, whatever. I'm gonna, that was fine. Now I'm gonna move on with my life. Yeah. So I'm gonna give that a stream it. Uh, if you go into the screening room, there's lots of other movies to go check out. I wouldn't. There's a ton of stuff right now. Uh, yeah, so many great movies playing, um, but including uh, Everybody Knows, which I'm giving a see it, and The Upside, I'm going to say stream it, wait to watch it at home. Cool. So now it's time for our headlines. Yeah, let's do it. Great. Are you going to oh, yeah, introduce yeah. Yeah. Are you going to introduce it, or do you no, want to no, just no. jump well, right in? Yeah, let's just jump right in. We, I want to make sure to get through them. Let's okay, just go. Great. Give us the first headline. Okay. They're not letting Lori Lawlin back into Fuller House. Not a great plan. So well, yeah, this, isn't she in prison? This is a shout out to you because I know Fuller House <laughs> is one of your guilty pleasures. Hey, Did I, I say uh, her last name right? Lori Lawlin? Lachlan, Lachlan? Let me see. There's I no K in it. Lachlan. Lori Lachlan? My ripped... Aunt Becky. I think, I think that's how you say it. That's Aunt Becky. Aunt Becky. So I don't, I, yes, she I, I know. is involved with, um, what do they call it? Vars- the Varsity Blues sting operation? <laughs> yeah. The FBI? Yeah. The Varsity Blues. Yeah. I think that's what they're calling it, which is 
great. What a great name for a sting operation. Also a great guilty pleasure movie there as far as sleep is. And I think it's also a TV show now. Or it, I think it was. Friday Night Lights. Friday I might Night be Lights confusing was, yeah. Um, anyway, so this is Aunt Becky from Full House, but she also has been steadily working um, on the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> yes, um, she's and been so, in all the Hall- Hallmark so, movies. So uh, another related headline is the Hallmark Channel, typically spared from scandals, has cut ties with Lori Lawlin. So she's on a show called... Um, something calls the heart now calls the heart when when calls the heart it's a like a prairie it's based on a christian book mm. series um apparently it's like wildly popular al- yeah. among i don't follow the crowds. career of everyone on um, House, she's also um in a lot of hallmark christmas movies and then uh, like another kind of third party show so essentially if you haven't been following this scandal essentially uh, it was revealed that um about 30 um, rich parents. Um, there has been some actors. Uh, Heather Locklear, I mm-hmm. believe, is also connected. Um, and it was also famous, uh, not famous, but business people. Essentially, they couldn't get their dumb rich kids into university. So they've been, and they didn't want to buy a library like most rich parents do for their dumb rich kids. So they thought it'll be cheaper for us to um, scam the admissions office um, through a combination of bribes and then also um, sort of testing. Um, And also there was some sports scams. So they would pay um, coaches, they would bribe coaches, and the coach would then accept the people onto the varsity teams. These people have no athletic background. They're now on a varsity soccer team. So it was kind of a combination of bribery and then also kind of scamming like Mm -hmm. just uh Mm -hmm. like testing they would have some some of the students i think had someone take the admissions test for them you know just kind of a combination of really shady (laughs) but you know rich people um so yeah Lori lawland did it for twice two daughters um and she is out on bail She's out on bail. Um, but, you know, she's being written out of the When Calls the Heart. I think that's the name of the show. And she will not be returning to the final season of Fuller House. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much jail time these people will be doing. They're super rich, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they'll just pay their way out or, or what will happen. But, yeah, I mean, the Fuller House thing, like, yeah, obviously, whatever. She's, she, I would say, a B-list celebrity. I only have one episode left in this season. And will you miss Aunt Becky? Is she an integral well, part of the no, show? No, not really. None of the, none of really the the older older characters, aside from the the children from the original yeah. series who are now older, are kind of the focus point. Um, but yeah, no, it's not. It'll, like, be whatever, it'll be fine. No I'm one's sure. going to be mourning. <laughs> Knowing that show, they will make a joke about it. <laughs> a poor poor joke because <laughs> they, none of their jokes. Like it's so sad to watch John Stamos walk out onto there. And just say really dumb stuff. It's like, do you really need the money, John? No, he doesn't. <laughs> but he's do- he's a producer on this, and it's a whole Whatever. Big thing. But, but mean, anyway, I'm saving that one right? episode because the new season's coming out in the fall. So I'm saving that one so episode watch it and so then... I can watch it as close to as possible. Yeah, I know a it's idea. a real problem I have. Yeah, that's but a good... <laughs> here we are. It's the final season. You only of have course. one more yeah, year. Yeah, one or more not year even a year. And then all the countless rewatches for the rest of my life. It's great. Um, so next headline. Yeah. Well, fine. Ezra Miller's just going to write his own damn flash movie then. Not a great plan. 
<laughs> wait, wait, is he? Yeah. He um, <laughs> he has <Why? laughs> co-written the Flash script, and um, when I read the article, I think he was like submitting it this week um, this to Flash, the studio. It was not good enough. People, I mean, I um, uh, this is the what Fantastic Four series. No. What's Flash <laughs> no, affiliated with? Justice League. Justice, Justice League. League. Yeah, I you're, you're in the I wrong got there. cinematic universe. I got there. Justice yeah, League. Yeah, but that's DC versus Marvel. Come on, Taylor. Well, so I I didn't see the movie, but Ezra Miller is one of my favorite actors, and I did. He's a great actor. And I did when I was you know reading you know reading the new entertainment news. They did say that his Flash was kind of the highlight. No. Of these, no, that's no. not. No, that's... Wonder Woman is the highlight of of this DC cinematic universe, and a and a very long, like Wonder Woman crossed the finish line, and then three hours later came Aquaman, and that was about it. Everyone else stumbled and fell down. Okay, he is not his. Flash, so he didn't do a good Flash. He he performs very well, but his character is terrible. So this is so the Flash has been in the his standalone movie has been in limbo. Yes. And for one a very of the rumors is that Ezra Miller has been clashing either with the um the, I think with the producers mm. or whoever um with how he envisions the character. So he said he kind of was like, "Well, f you guys, I'm going to write the Flash that I want." Mm-hmm. And apparently it's supposed to be grittier, like a little bit darker, but I don't it's think that's not the, what DC needs. It's more but, grit. <laughs> So um, he's co-writing it with another uh, writer who uh, writes primarily um, comedies. So I apologize. I should have written the name of the guy, but he is connected to, you know, big name movies. It's not like a nobody. Um, So we'll see. Ezra Miller, I guess, is obviously really attached to this Mm -hmm. character for whatever reason. Kind of, I get the sense, kind of like how Ryan Reynolds is attached to um, Deadpool. And and Ezra Miller is a very talented, talented actor. Yeah. But... I just don't, and maybe these are things that that Ezra Miller's going to fix about the Flash that I didn't like, which is how the Flash was written. Because I guess that's his contention. He doesn't like how the movie's being portrayed. But well, then maybe that's a good thing. Maybe, a, maybe he's going to, maybe he sees problems and really wants to go against it. Which I'm great. I mean, Deadpool turned out great. And my Ryan problem Reynolds is took it on. Ezra Miller, you're not a writer. No, that we know he needs of, help. right? And he's, <laughs> you he's know, a buddy though. He's like 24. He's pretty yeah. young. He's younger than I am. He might be a year younger than me. He might be 26. Maybe he has a buddy. I don't know. We'll see. We'll Ezra, see. if you're listening, obviously you are, uh, I'll help you. Also, I love you, Ezra. But, but seriously, <laughs> I will help you. I, I've written many a Star Trek fan fiction. So. What, did you read the Flash um, comics? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I've actually, go. even though I love the Marvel movies, I grew up on DC characters, right. not the other way around. Right. Like I, I, Batman, Superman, the Justice League, there was a really good television show when I was a kid for the Justice League. It you know, those are the characters that I knew quite a bit more yeah. than the Avengers. So, yeah, I'm very passionate about these characters and not happy with how they've they've worked it so far. What do you think the problem, not to like, this could be a whole other oh, this show. Could, we, could but do, like, we could just do a show on this. How what the has, problem is. why, like, why is Marvel succeeding when DC is not? Because mm-hmm. personally, I find um, DC characters more interesting than DC, Marvel characters. DC characters are more interesting and they are more complex and they also have a better pantheon of villains to, to work with. Um, I mean, I think for Marvel, they hit they hit tone really well and found amazing casting that just worked. Like, Iron Man was a one-in-a-million shot. It's a character nobody knew. They had no idea what was going on. Robert Downey Jr.'s career was in the tank. 
and everything just worked for them because he had the charisma. It was the perfect casting for Tony Stark, and then they were able to go from there. I think what they've done is they have found a really good in-between between very serious movies, mm-hmm. which the X-Men series has been criticized for going too serious, too real world and too could right. be happening, and comic books. So they found this really good balance between real world and comic books. When you're watching Marvel movies, it's basically like watching a fun comic book world, and now they can do anything they want. DC's problem was is the only reason why they made their movies was to compete with Marvel. Right. It's like, oh, my friend just opened an amazing restaurant across the street. I'm now going to meet a restaurant across across the street because screw him and that's the only reason i don't care if my food's good i'm just so opening they're a restaurant. rushed and they don't they're have, rushing they... it they don't have a plan they're not trying uh they gave Zack snyder an opportunity to do something he he's a has he has a brilliant mind when it comes to cinematography i think he's a terrible director and a terrible writer he took superman and turned him into one of the worst characters i've ever seen and superman is one of the best characters in the world because he wanted to make it more relatable and wanted to make it more grounded this might be and a gritty. case of when Real reboots will be worth it, you know, yeah. five oh, years from now. <laughs> yeah. Give you want a good Superman movie? Christopher Reeve made, Reeves made a bunch of them. Yeah, Superman is is a Boy Scout, and people have a problem with that. Well, it's not relatable. No, that's exactly what a hero is supposed to be. It's a larger than life character that comes in with its morality. It's the Captain America of their universe is Superman, and they treated him like, well, well we're going to make him depressed. Superman is not depressed. Batman's depressed. Batman is depressed, <laughs> and that's why they don't get along very well. Anyway, I could, we only have a this few minutes has, left in this, this show. This goes into go our next headline: Disney rehires James Gunn to direct Guardians of the Galaxy three. Not a great plan. I think it's a good plan. I think it is a good plan, but it's not a great plan in the sense that Disney, get it together. Stop flip flopping. I'm giving them another. Not a great plan. Because they kept flip flopping back up. They got them into such a terrible state and then they went back on it. I don't, they that don't know to what me, doing. that's the yeah, bad part. Like, absolutely. oh my gosh, we don't even need to talk about it because everyone's happy that James Gunn is back. Yes. He apologized. He shows remorse for those tweets that he did in 2009. And he, he showed apology and remorse before all this happened as well. That's the important distinction. It's not after the fact. This isn't a Kevin Hart situation where he wouldn't apologize, wouldn't apologize, wouldn't apologize. From the get-go. From the get-go, he was apologetic. He was showing remorse. And gratitude to Disney. Yeah. So anyways, he did everything he needed to do, and he did it, and now he gets the movie, so that's great. Yay. Netflix asks asks Kane if they are still watching. Kane's clicks no for a second year. I'm saying that wrong. (laughs) Cans, cans, cans. The French Film Festival. I'm not saying it with the French accent. I'm not familiar with this. Cannes? No. It's like the French Film Festival. And what's the connection with Netflix? So Netflix two years ago um, screened two films at Cannes or Cannes, however you want to say it. Yeah. Um, Okja, uh, which I had on my list for Netflix watches, and another one, which I am not familiar with. And now, um, because of that, now festivals and award shows are kind of scrambling to rewrite their policies so ne- uh, so that streaming platforms can't participate. Oh, that's so now awful. for two years in a row, Keynes has said, or can, sorry, has said, no, we don't want Netflix. That's ridiculous. So it's, again, you know, <laughs> it's, the, it's the whole debate. Should streaming services be allowed at these uh, elite film festivals? I say yes. I think they should, too, because... For someone like, oh, so I'm a film fan, and you just mentioned a film festival I'm not, a, I'm not familiar with. Yeah. So t- for me, the only way I'm going to see these movies is if Netflix purchases a couple. Yeah. So, um, Makes perfect sense to me. The, 
the story, the article went on to say, well, you know, maybe it's good because Netflix doesn't actually have any um, property right now yeah. to screen at the film festival. But again, it's it's just re-bringing up that issue that we talked about a couple weeks ago when um, St- Spielberg went to the Academy to say, I <laughs> yeah. don't want Netflix to go. Spielberg versus Netflix. Um, so now it's Keynes versus Netflix. Although the article is a little bit more ambiguous saying just kind of like Netflix has been like, hey, can we um, screen? And Keynes was kind of like, no. But um, they may very well be allowed at the festival in the future, just not currently. Well, I'm looking forward to reading more about this, and I think we'll bring it up again and keep chatting about it. because It's, it's going to be an be ongoing issue. Um, that's it for today. Um, we have run out of time because Taylor got me talking about the DC <laughs> universe. Thank you, everybody, for, for tuning in, and we'll, uh, we'll be back here next week. Go see some movies.